0: Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez.
1: Hey, thanks for listening today. We appreciate you joining us. My guest today is Henry Lopez. Henry, thanks for joining me today. We're talking about a subject that uh, is a very Interesting subject. I still have to get my hand around it, but thanks for coming. We're at the Mountain Studios today. That's right. We're both at the Mountain Studios. Way up high. Both both of us in the Mountain Studios. It's crowded in here, but it'll work. That's right. That's right. It's a small studio. <laughs> it's it, it's it's a it's a backup studio in case the main studio goes down. That's right. So, but we're talking about our altitude here. We're at uh, ten thousand one hundred and fifty feet mm. here. We're just outside of Breckenridge, Colorado, and um was wondering if the altitude affects our podcast quality <laughs> we will find out right
0: <laughs> i am definitely i'm definitely short of breath and not acclimated so we'll see if it affects our ability to articulate and put forth something here that that is um, worthwhile
1: yeah but i think i think you do pretty well up. I, I love it I, I i like the. it's just cool and for some reason at higher altitude i sleep better
0: yeah. I mean, we're recording this, uh, in July and last night we slept with no air conditioning, the window, one window open in my room Yeah, and it was plenty cool. So yeah. that's, that's a nice break from the Texas heat. It
1: is nice. We'll be seeing snow here in about eight weeks. I think <laughs> it's kind of the way it works up here. So, um, you know, we still have snow on the mountain, which is interesting and it's late July. That's very unusual, but there's still snow at the highest elevations and we're still getting plenty of runoff water, but, uh, it's been good. But, you know, you and I like to talk about different subjects. And this subject here is a very interesting one on leadership. And I think it's uh, something that always gets me kind of twisted up, mm. you know, as far as being a good leader. How do you become a good leader? What is leadership? What does it entail? How is that different than management? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I still get kind of I'm, I'm very task oriented. I'm good at getting things done and managing people. But I always question myself if I'm good at being a leader. And uh, there was a book kind of handed out last year to a lot of car washers. You might have it. It was called uh, How Successful People Lead by John Maxwell. And it was just a good primer on developing leadership. And and that's got to be a big part of any car washer strategy right now because, you know, you've got to have a good team in place on site to really provide the customer experience that you want. And everybody's got to work well together. Everybody's got to be inspired And the car washers, the car washes that don't do that, I think are going to be at a disadvantage. Uh, As competition starts building, you know, people are going to have a lot of choices and and they're going to go to the place that they feel better. And the staff does have a big impact on that. Even in the exterior express market, where you don't have a lot of employees, you still are primarily in charge of developing that customer experience when people are on site.
0: Right, and especially nowadays with with how hard it is to to retain a staff, uh, it becomes even more critical. But as you were starting the description of it, what, what it brought to mind, of course, is what we all know that as entrepreneurs, we're, we're really not initially leaders because we we are doers, right? We go and do it and we get it done. And often we're the ones that get in there and get it done. And, and, and we'll talk about the different levels of leadership. But often that that's not being a leader. That's really being a manager. Yeah. Um, and that's a component of it but it's but it's about getting beyond that to really become an effective leader. And like you said, you know we we've dealt with this because we've all heard this in our lives and in our careers or, yeah, we need to become a leader, but it's kind of hard to pinpoint what does that mean exactly?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's very difficult to understand that. And I think as an entrepreneur, you are probably generally not well-suited? No. Or it's just not in your DNA? Let's, let's say that. I think that's probably fair. Yeah, be-
0: because you are so focused on marching forward and you are so, as an entrepreneur, you have to be resourceful and resilient in yourself, right? You depend on yourself. You you bet on yourself to begin with. You had confidence that you could get it done. That's why you left the corporate job or whatever it might have been. You bet on yourself. So that, when early on, you're so focused and driven That as we'll talk about in a moment leadership a lot of the components of escalating through the levels of leadership is about helping others develop right
1: yeah yeah and you and i were at a disadvantage i think in our technology career because we were relatively independent we didn't have a lot of management we were traveling on our own we were working with virtual teams so we work with different people on different opportunities and I don't think we really, we weren't in a traditional corporate environment where we had a, a hands-on manager that we saw pretty much every day or, you know, every week. We and, might we might go weeks and not see our manager. And we weren't measured by, did you build
0: a good team, David? We were measured by, what did you close? What yeah. did you help close, right? We weren't measured by, did you, did you build this division or this, this uh, location? That's not what we did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so that, you know, we were really at a disadvantage, I think, quite a bit. We even had managers that were in other states. I mean, we had managers in Dallas that lived in Atlanta, you know. And how often did you see those people?
0: Yeah, just rarely. So,
1: I mean, it was great. It was great for us as employees, but it didn't really teach us leadership or management. And, you know, it wasn't something that was emphasized. So it kind of put us at a disadvantage. We kind of made the transition to running our own businesses, we didn't have a lot of leadership skills. And so it's it's one of those nebulous things that, that's out there that I, I always want to talk about. I always want to try to identify how do you how do you become a good leader? How do you raise people up to be good leaders? And I think this book, you know, John Maxwell really focuses on leadership. And, uh, you know, he's he's done this. But there's a section in here where he talks about how leadership works. He has got the five levels of leadership. So he talks about how people can develop into leaders. And I want to just throw a question out to you, because we talked about this yesterday. But, um, you know, we, we, we hear the term natural born leaders. Mm. Do you buy that? You know, it's interesting. As,
0: as I was preparing for this, I, I you know, so that's the fifth level as he lays it out, right, the, the pinnacle. And he says, in his opinion, only naturally gifted leaders, naturally gifted leaders ever make it to this highest level, At first blush, I want to fight that because my belief, and as entrepreneurs, we believe we can do anything, right? Right. If we set our minds to it and we develop the right skills or we get the right resources, we can do anything. So when I'm told that I would have to have, I'm missing a natural talent, I'm naturally going to fight that. But at the same time, I can see where there are people who have this ability that maybe I don't have and I never will. I don't know. What are your thoughts? You
1: know, I've known people that I think are very gifted in that, but I, I still believe people can become that. I think, there, yeah, there are some people that are probably naturally gifted because they've got the right characteristics. They've got the right character. They've got the right mindset. They've got the right view on other people. And I think they naturally we, – we know somebody that I think is like that, you know um, – you know, our, our chemical vice president provider, Ryan, right. I I think I look at him and I think he's a natural leader. Um, you know, he's just, he's very good at at working with people. He's got, he's got a gift of working with people. He's got a gift of communication. He's got a gift of inspiration in ways that I don't. And so, you know, he's got some natural ability there and I don't know if he's been taught that or he just had it naturally. But I, I always believe you can learn something. I, I, Uh, You know, it's always easier. You know, we're watching the end of the Tour de France and you watch those cyclists. Those are naturally gifted cyclists. Right. But but, you know, that's
0: his point there. Right. This goes back to could I be Michael Jordan if I had practiced 30,000 hours? No, no. So but I, I think also to your point, we've known plenty of people who have charisma and intelligence. And yet they're missing certain skills that keep them from being at that level, at that pinnacle as as it talks about in the book. Um so so I don't know. I, I want to reject that because I'm always of the belief yeah. that you can become whoever you want to be. Yeah. But you know, his definition for it in the book is is pretty stringent. In other words, it's that you have become you have transcended industries. You are beyond a specific industry. And you stand out not just in one industry, so that that's a pretty hard qualifier,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. We we've got a few examples of that. So we do, yeah. I in,
0: mean, the ones that came to my mind, and I'm sure you'll add, but but most recently, Lee Iacocca passed. Right. And Whether you liked him or not, I read his biography way back. But he's a guy who uh, certainly just the one industry, the auto industry. But he, he went from two major corporations and made impacts beyond. He was an inspirational leader. Mm-hmm. And when he went over to Chrysler, that's what Chrysler needed beyond fiscal management. But he could hire somebody to do that, right? But he inspired not just a company, but a nation and a government to support it, right? And it was a huge success in the end. But it took a lot of leadership to get all that to happen. So I think that's an example of someone who really fits that description
1: yeah and generally people
0: want leadership do you agree oh absolutely I think naturally as humans we are the, the challenge for us as entrepreneurs is that we don't like to be told what to do we want we want to be the leader right and so that's that's a little bit of a challenge for us and it was a challenge for us in the corporate world but when we had inspirational leaders for example for me when I worked at Ariba Keith Croc was our CEO and he's actually now been appointed by, by the president in a position at, at the federal government level. I can't remember the details of it, but he's just been appointed. But he led several organizations to great success, and he's an inspirational leader. Yeah. So he was the kind of guy that even in that entrepreneurial setting, which, which was a startup company, he was the kind of guy that I would follow, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So. And then we, we know another software Giant. Yeah,
0: Dave Duffield is another guy that comes to mind. I happen to have the opportunity to work for PeopleSoft, which was his first software company, which was hugely successful and then acquired by Oracle. And then he went down to start um, Workday, Workday yeah. which is hugely successful. And everybody that has worked for his companies will tell you that he's an inspirational leader. It's interesting. Most people have never heard his name. So he's the kind of leader that it, he didn't get there because of a claim. Like you could argue Iacocca was a celebrity, right? Right. right. But most people have never heard the word Dave Duffield, the name Dave Duffield, unless they're in the IT industry. Right. But he has led successfully multiple companies, and everybody you talk to who has worked for him will tell you he's inspirational.
1: And he had a lot of people following him from PeopleSoft over to Workday. So Absolutely. when he started Workday, he had a massive following of people that said, massive "I want to go work for him. Massive people who followed him over there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so even people that are high, high performing, high charging salespeople, technical people, they, they want to be led, you know, they, right. they want to be part of something bigger, they want to be part of a vision. And I think one of the characteristics, let, let's kind of go through the five yeah. steps, because I think we, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to that.
0: Yeah. But before we leave that, one of the things that Maxwell yeah. talks about, that at that level that I think yeah. Dave Duffield represents, is that if you think about it, he was perfectly okay, in fact, it's who he wants to be, to let others take the the glory, to help develop other leaders, and he has. I mean, if you go through the list of people that have worked for him over the, over the decades, they are people that have gone on to lead their own organizations, and yeah. that's one of the key definitions of that level five pinnacle. And so that's something that a guy like Dave has done brilliantly. He's okay with not being the celebrity. He doesn't seek that. He gets his rewards from other things. And at that level, what Maxwell talks about is that you're building others. All right, but let's go step back. So step one, before we get to that level of the pinnacle, and we just shared some examples of people that we think are there. Um, First, The first level is is position leadership. And as he describes it very shortly, is people follow you because they have to. So that's the one that we all get if we're in any kind of, if we're a manager, if we're a shift leader, uh, if we're a site manager, or even as the owner, we get that by default because we're in that position of power, right? Right,
1: right. And And it, it doesn't require a lot of effort, right? When you're a position, when you're a level one leader, it doesn't require any effort because you rely on your position, right? So if you're hearing terms like, if you don't do this, I'm going to fire you. If you don't do this, I'm going to write you up. If, if you're having to use the threat... Of your position and your power, then you know chances are you're probably a, a, a level one and it talks about here it's pretty good that positional leaders have difficulty working with volunteer younger people or the highly educated.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was such a great example because it's so it's so you can imme- immediately envision somebody you've known yeah. who when they're taken out of that environment that they are the, in control of, nobody listens to them right. right? They don't care what they have to say. And it's also why over time your team comes to resent you, which then manifests itself in turnover, and people don't really respect you. They follow your orders because they know they might get fired, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not enough for people over time.
1: Right, and it gets back to the differences between power and influence. So in sales training, we talked a lot about identifying people in a sales situation that either had power or influence. And we're talking about developing influence and not power. And and we always said, you know, if you go to an organization, can you find somebody that has a lot of influence but doesn't have a lot of power, right? And so that could be a well-respected individual whose advice is is taken quite a bit, um, you know, and people go to them they're able to influence decisions because they've they 've earned it right they've they 've earned the respect they 've got a track record um, people like to go to them for advice so that 's a good example of somebody with influence and not positional power and and we would go through and i't know if you remember remember the show mash so we we used to use the 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 show mash and say who in that organization in mash had a lot of influence but no power and everybody would say Hawkeye right. Mm-hmm. And then you would say, who had a lot of power but no influence? And you would say Frank Burns, right? Right. And then you would say, who was an example of somebody that had neither? And that would typically be, uh, who was the guy from Toledo? Clinger. Clinger, right? Right. So he was an example of a guy that had no power or no influence. He was just bobbling around. But there's Radar Radar O'Reilly as well as a guy that had tons of influence but had a very low position. And so if you've ever watched that episode, I'm probably dating myself here if you've not watched the MASH episode, but, but you could go down that character list and find somebody. Colonel Potter was a good example of somebody had both power and influence. And so that's what we're talking about here. You know, you, When you get in a position of being a manager, you have, the, you have the power, but it's up to you to develop the influence.
0: That's right. And so the next level is, is what he calls permission, where people follow you because they want to. And it's usually because they like you, right? Um, I, I, immediately, as I was as I was reading through this and thinking about this, what came to my mind is early recollections on the playground at school were the kid, girl or boy that was most popular got to lead, and that always frustrated the heck out of me, right? Because, it's because I was not yeah, popular, yeah. but but I think that is one example of how if they like you they will lead you. Now, of course, that's not enough because eventually what happens with them just following you because they like you is, is they, they can take advantage of that. You can lose authority. You know, So that's the whole challenge that we have with not confusing leadership with becoming their best friend necessarily. Uh, They like you because they, they probably respect you and they've seen what you've done and they've seen that you've taken care of them to some degree, although I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but that, but that, but that only goes so far, but that is the next level going from that. I'm, you're leading, I'm leading you really. I'm managing you because I can fire you to now you like me as a person. Right. So that does require a little bit now as I'm evolving a little bit more vulnerability, it evolves and it requires me making a connection at a more personal level. With someone that I'm
1: leading. Yeah, so you, you know, level two talks about relationships. You got to start developing a relationship with your employee, and and uh, you know, good sentence here says you can like people without leading them, but you cannot lead people well without liking them. So, do you like your people? I mean, do you generally like the people that work for you? And that's a great question because for years question. I I always questioned that, right? Because, and a lot of it I was trying to distance myself. I I would get when I first started. I wanted to be everybody's best buddy, right? And then I got disappointed. I got hurt because somebody would then, you know, would be doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. They they quit. They steal money. Whatever it was that was going on, and I just started distancing myself from the employees. And I, you know, and again, that doesn't create a great leader leader situation. No. Well, but you're actually right, and that's that's something I've
0: challenged. I've been challenged with as well. Is is I thought. You know, you can't become... I always said said it as you need to be friendly, but not necessarily friends. Now, I've asked this question of a lot of guests that I've had on my show. In fact, most recently, Chris Tuff, who is an expert on millennials, I asked him about this. And the way he interprets it is that he does believe that there should be kind of a line, right? You you don't want to become best friends because that leads to all kinds of challenges. But you need to be interested in what's going on in your staff's and your team's lives and so that's more than what you and I might have done initially, right? right? And so we've learned to do that. Now, what does that take? In part, what he talks about related to millennials is you have to kind of be in tune to where they're sharing what they're doing, which is on their social media accounts, right? So it's not that I invite an employee to be a friend with me on my personal Facebook account. It's that I'm aware that they just went to an event or, a, a, you know, an, a, a concert or some kind of charity event this past weekend, and I can comment on that. yeah so that they can start to see oh this this person is interested in my life right, right. Yeah? at a high level i'm i'm still not at the level where i'm helping you develop but i'm but i'm connecting with you such that you see me as a person now not just your boss
1: no i think that's good i think that's good and I, I see a lot of managers making mistakes when they get promoted when they from the if, if you promote somebody from the group they sometimes have difficulty making the transition from being a coworker to being a manager and they need coaching on that. And, and they can still be friends, but there's a line that needs to be drawn.
0: And the, right? and the challenge is that the employee, naturally as humans, is going to want to take advantage of that. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm buddies with them, so I'm good, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's a hard transition. And often uh, relationships are, are kind of ruined sometimes, unfortunately. As it is what it is in that, in that transition. Uh, the good the good managers learn to slowly but surely make sure that that employee knows that there's a boundary, right? That 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 they that they need to respect, but there's always a challenge there. I've always seen that as a challenge when you promote someone from the group, and now and there's resentment. Of course, that also comes into play. sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. So right. next after so we the first level is position. Next was permission, where where people follow you because they want to. Third is production. This is where people follow you because of what you have done for the organization. So you have proven yourself. And I was reading, as I was reading about this one, David, what came to mind, he says that one of the, one of the indicators is that the group is having fun. Yeah. And you've got a high performing team right now, one of your locations.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think we're doing pretty well. You know, and we've gotten better on mm-hmm. that, and a lot of it's been dedicated time from my operations manager who's putting effort into it. But he's developing teams, he's really, you know, forcing the site managers to work, get their guys to work as a team, and, you know, build their team and train their team and look at what's going on as a team, not an individual sport. For a long time, you know, there was a lot of individual personalities that we had at our sites, and the individual personalities would try to, you know, they, they were either insecure or they would try to run other people off, or it was a kind of an information hoarding type type of environment where if I knew and then if you knew that that somehow diminished my value, and it was all these kind of crazy cultural things that are going on. So my, my operations manager has done a really good job of. Turn you know it's taken about a year, but it's gotten that turnaround, yeah. and we're starting to see good teamwork. We're starting to see people help each other. The the evening shift is looking out for the morning shift. The morning shift is looking out for the evening shift, and those those type of things are going on.
0: Yeah. So so, so as our operations manager Matt, what he's done there as he's progressed to this level of leadership, as you articulated, is he's learned that the right people make it. Right. So he has had to learn to hire the right people, have the right mix, and and kick out people who don't fit sooner than later so that they don't poison the culture. And it takes time. It takes time to build that. Yeah. But that's how he as our area manager and the site manager are developing to that level of leadership by understanding, ah, it's about getting them to work together as a team. It's about developing and it's about picking the right people that fit into that team.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. And we, we just, we, you know, you get rid of some of the bad apples People that don't want to be there for the right reasons, mm-hmm. and then the culture sort of starts self-selecting those people out. So yeah, we we are big
0: believers in that, and we've seen it at, at several of our businesses. Yeah, but but the key indicator there are one of the key indicators that I think is a great takeaway to measure for yourself. Is, is the group, and, and uh, certainly it becomes easier if you've got more than one location because you can compare, but is that group having fun and taking pride in, in a positive way of look at how we're achieving, you know? Yeah. And they're enjoying that. That's an indicator that you're leading at that level.
1: Do, do you know what's really helped with that, believe it or not, is, is a technology tool? Guess. Guess which one? Slack. Slack. You know, the use of Slack or some sort of common communication device, everybody can see what's being posted, you know, by, we, we have a general channel, then we've got a site specific channel, but everybody can can post on there and talk about the successes, talk about how well the team worked. You know, Mac can post something and say, hey, congratulations on, you know, guys did a great job last night. Thanks so much. I can chime in. Hey, great job guys. Thanks. You know, and it, and it just, I think that's been a great contributor to the success of building a team because the team is more visible to the other teams and it's more you know, there's a lot more competition when it comes to team development.
0: Mm-hmm. So three things. It eliminates the excuse that often presents itself, well I didn't know about that or I didn't hear about that or or I'm not I'm not hearing these things. So it eliminates that. It it becomes a platform where you're sharing positive news and then between the teams it becomes a motivational tool.
1: Yeah, yeah, really, I really, think, I think it's one of the things that I've gone back and looked at and said, once we incorporated that within the culture, now people use it as the, you know, the de facto communication tool. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it works. And then I can see what's going on, which is nice, too, is I, I get visibility on what's going on. And if I feel like I need to chime in, I can chime in. But, you know, how many times do I get frustrated where I, pe- people are leaving me in the dark as far as what's going on? I just have to review Slack and look at the communication threads. And I'm immediately in in the loop. This is David Begin. Before we continue with this episode, I have a few questions for you. Are you planning on opening a car wash and getting overwhelmed? Are you a bit confused and searching for unbiased advice? Are you an existing car wash operator searching for ways to improve your employee turnover or trying to solve other operational challenges? I have faced and overcame some of the same obstacles over the past 15 years to help develop a very successful car wash business. I can provide you with the guidance you need to help you navigate and solve the challenges we all face in this business. If you wanna learn more about my one-on-one car wash coaching program, then I invite you to schedule a free coaching call with me. Please text the word foam to 31996 and I'll reply with a link to schedule your free call. Let's chat about one of the challenges you're facing and let me help you gain some clarity. Again, please text the word foam F-O-A-M
0: to 31996. So as we've gotten to this level, David, one of the thoughts I also had is that we've gone through someone who progresses through position leadership, permission, and now production. You mentioned a a military reference, and you can help me with this one because you have more knowledge about the military than I do. But on, on Navy ships, there's a guy, as I've been told, usually that has that. Influence, but maybe not the position, and that's the crew chief. There's other yeah. other names for that position. Yeah. He's not enlisted, right? Or he is enlisted rather. Yeah. yeah he's he's enlisted. not an officer, but he's probably often the most respected person on the boat. Yeah. He possesses at least these three qualities. He's got the position, right? He's the people like him because he's probably a he's usually a charismatic guy or gal in yeah. the nowadays. Um, and he's, he's done it. So he's a guy that's been there, he's done it, he's got the history, he's got the stories. and people will follow him to their you know death if that's what has to happen, right? And, yeah, because these, these guys are really putting their lives on the line. But that's a great example of someone who's gotten to that level of leadership, I think.
1: Have you, have you seen this the series carrier? I don't know if you yes. seen. that. Yes. so, so that, that was an example where they, they, they took a film crew on a six month cruise. That guy, was the senior enlisted officer, and when, when, when there's a meeting of leadership of the two or three, you know, and I'm sure it's an admiral that runs those those uh, carriers, you know, he's he's one of the two or three guys
0: that's in the room.
1: Yeah, yeah. He always used the term shipmate, so he was called, "Hey, shipmate," you know, and and it was interesting he would use that term because it kind of communicated, "Hey, we're all in this together," you know. You're, I'm a shipmate. You're a shipmate, and he did a lot of correction you know because he was talking to kids that were in their teens late teens so their first job right you know he's he's trying to instill you know discipline and authority yeah, very similar to the, yeah. the young people that we hire
0: right right yeah yeah and so, so what is what is that uh rank is it uh, i don't know if it's master chief i think it's master chief yeah is and it? somebody okay. listening who knows better than us please yeah. please let us know give us a comment but i think you everybody knows who we're talking about yeah. Um, and I think that's a good example of a person who's achieved that third level of leadership.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And see, it's a good example where officers probably could not have that type of influence because they're relying on their positional authority. That's right. So when an enlisted person is in charge of another enlisted person, there's at least somewhat respect. Hey, I've, I've been in the same situation you're in. Exactly. So, yeah. Absolutely. Right.
0: So that's that level three production, which is, again, people are following you now also because of what you have done for the organization. And then level four, with, which is where, you know, as we, we started the conversation at the top at level five, level four is where most of us can get to, and we'll come back to whether we can get to level five or not. But level four is people development, and that's where people follow you because of what you have done for them. Yeah. And so I have seen you do this extremely well in particular, I don't know, let's say over the last five years or so. What was it for you... that that made that click for you?
1: Um, You know, I realized you have to care about people. You have to really believe in what their potential is, and not everybody's gonna meet their potential, but I think true leaders have an an ability to believe in somebody, because a lot of times people can't see their potential, right? That's why you and I sometimes are great conversationalists, because I can see the potential in you, you can see the potential in me, you know, to do the things that we're trying to achieve and i think it's the same for employees you got to have somebody that you know somebody that cares about others um, and if you care about other people and you care about their potential you know I, I think i think that's the beginning of true leadership and i think that might be why that's in level 4 but um you know we, we had a lot of sales managers that were very proud about the fact that their people that worked for them went on to be vp of sales they went on to run companies Um, You know, that's, that's what they were the most proud of was their group, you know, they, they were able to develop their group such that they went on and, you know, their, their people went on and did great things. And that was their greatest achievement. And, you know, true leaders don't really care. They, they get the credit. And this is one thing that Dave Duffield might be a good example for, right? They give credit away. And, and, you know, you find good salespeople, good leaders, you know, they'll give the credit to everybody else, but you know what? They they get the credit too. And they and they realize that I don't have to worry about that, you know, because I'm gonna make this guy that worked with me on this sales opportunity, I'm gonna make him the king. He's the guy that pulled it through. And and just, just that credit and that goodwill that you're building makes makes a huge difference in leadership. Yeah. And and but you gotta care about other people. We've had people that are managers before only cared about themselves, they didn't care about other people, and they're just not going to be successful.
0: Or or they reach a plateau, right? And and we've seen that throughout our careers and our experience. And the car wash business as as a specific, what are some examples of how you have implemented this um, to help somebody develop themselves? beyond the training that we give somebody beyond the the you know the positional development but beyond that helping them develop as people what are some examples of where you've been able to do that that a doesn't cost you much money it's just a matter of wanting to and caring to right
1: yeah it's kind of hard to kind of think about specific examples Mm -hmm. right but i mean because matt matt's done such a good job of that and he he it's it's really his gift Mm -hmm to do and he spends a lot of time he invests a lot of time with the employees but
0: your investment in him in turn in part has been in spending the time to help him understand how you think through things how you problem solve so let's just take that as an example and so you've invested time in him in teaching him how to do that, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and so now he's getting to the point where he's kind of anticipating what what would David think, exactly. what would David want. If, if you were down it? at the
0: lower levels, you would just say, "Matt, do this." You would just make him a task manager, right? Right. But instead, what you've instilled in him is, "I want you to think." And, and an example of a tool is to come with me with s- proposed solutions as opposed to the problem. Okay. Yeah. So okay. That's, that's an example, example of how you've helped yeah. him develop his problem-solving skills. And for him to become a leader, he's, you've helped him to now be able to create, he's created a, like, as we just talked about, a high producing team, right? Yeah. And he's learned how to do that. You've done it in other cases. If we go to our other business, one of the ways that we've done it there is we've invested in sending our manager to developmental classes. And they're just, they're affordable one day workshops to help her develop her skills, especially her soft skills. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's an, an, an example of where we didn't have to do that. She doesn't need that to perform her job, but we're helping her develop as a person. And therefore, I think what we've gotten is a much better leader, not just a manager, and someone who has stayed with us for what is a pretty long period of time in this industry. Yeah. Right,
1: right. Good point. Yeah.
0: So I think those are some examples of how you invest in someone. But I think it goes back to the, your point as well you have to care about people at a personal level, right? Beyond what they're doing or not doing for you, you have to care about them.
1: Yeah. And you have to get beyond the point where you're insecure about your role, right? So that that's where that site manager that doesn't train other people, that doesn't communicate, that thinks information hoarding is to their benefit. Well, it's not to their benefit. It's going to be to their ultimate demise. Because when I want to replace that person with the district manager. I want to replace that person with an operations manager. You know, you better have your team in place. You got to have somebody that you said, you know, you're the person I'm training to replace me. So always be, if you ever want to get promoted, you better have somebody that can replace you. And if you're going to have somebody that replace you, you better start developing them.
0: I think we've also had this perspective for some time now that we are realistic. We don't pretend that someone comes to work for us and they're going to retire 30 years later with us, right? We know that by, by and large are with us for a brief, relatively brief period of time. We're asking them to have an impact on our business, right? But we hopefully can leave an impact upon them that when they go on somewhere else, they've learned things, they've developed skills that they can take forward. Why do we do that? Because because that makes us feel proud about when you had contact with our organization. We, we don't always succeed at this. But by and large, you're going to leave us better than you came to us. And right. you're going to help us become better people as well, right? Right. But that's what we feel proud about. That And we know this because over time we've had people that come back to us and say, God, I, I really enjoyed working for you guys. Yeah,
1: Yeah, which, which, I, which surprises me some exactly, of the people that come back thought, because yeah. I thought it was – yeah, right. this isn't going very well. You know, this is contentious. But I've had people come back and tell them how they appreciate how we've ran the organization. They've so appreciate, And so that's what we always get back to. We always kind of circle back to this whole issue that the car wash industry is a people business. You know, you're dealing with people that are washing their cars, and you've got a group of people that are serving those people. And so you've got to be in the people business. and. You know, that's one thing I think I see that's missing quite a bit with this new crop of people that are coming into the industry. And and I think the individual owners still have an advantage because they can execute better. Right. Right. You can you
0: can you you can impact lives directly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's not going to always be about the bottom line and, and the returns. And a lot of people are just getting into this industry because they think for whatever reason it makes a lot of money and they just want the returns. If you don't focus on this part of it, you know, you're going to lose out in the battle. So if you're still a small operator, you have a few units, you have one unit, and you're trying to figure out, how am I going to compete in this industry? You can still compete because you're going to be, you know, if you have a special place to go, if, you're, if your business is special and people want to go there, that's going to give you a competitive advantage. And...
0: It's a place you're going to want to go to, yeah. right? Yeah. If your environment, and this is, I think, a way to measure where you're at or where your staff is, if your environment is one where it, it's always about catching people doing the wrong thing, and you know, listen, look at what so and so did today, and I had to fire these people today, and of course, all of those things happen. We, we don't we don't live in utopia, but if instead your managers and you are leading at these levels, you you end up with an environment that's much more positive for us to go work at, and at the end of the day. What on earth are we doing then if we're not creating a place where we enjoy most days? I mean, we have our challenges. You've gone through a spree of things that have happened externally. But as far as your staff goes, do you feel good about that? And that's, I think, a good measure. So if you're looking at a manager and where are they in their development, observe how they lead. Because it's pretty obvious if they're leading through intimidation and and by dictating always – or do you see that people admire them and, and, ha- and are developing themselves? Yeah. Is that the attitude that your manager has or is it one that's very dictatorial? And that'll tell you where that person or yourself is on these five levels, I yeah, think. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting you bring that up because I'm wondering with your businesses, there, there'll be times over the last decade, there's times I don't want to show up at a site I just don't want to go there. Right. And that, that's that got to be a red flag. Yes. Right? And it's yeah. like, okay, why do I not want to go there?
0: Right. You should answer that. Now, again, we, we all have these ups and downs, right? There's nothing perfect. But a lot of it has to do to that answer is, is your manager there? Are your people there? Are they leading or are they creating this negative environment? Yeah. 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 That's the part. And then as owners, it's our job to hire the right people that have those qualities, and then to develop them as leaders as we are developing as leaders. Right.
1: And I really think the basis of all this is your confidence to be able to hire people. And, you know, you and I have talked about it. We feel like we're being held hostage by somebody who's pretty good, has a lot of, you know, equipment knowledge, but they just don't belong. They don't belong in this environment. They maybe belong somewhere else, but they don't belong in this environment. You've got to develop the confidence and the engine to hire people. Yep. And if you don't have that, then the rest of this is going to be very challenging. Very challenging.
0: All right, so that was level four, people development, and then five, which is the pinnacle we talked about already, which is people follow you because of who you are and what you represent. And again, we started a discussion as to whether we agree or not with Maxwell's position that you have natural gifts. In other words, that you can't learn this, and, and we talked about that. Um, what's one of your key takeaways then about this, these five levels and progressing through that? And and I think part of it is, of course, you have to assess where you are in your development and then where your team is and in their development. But what's one key takeaway you want the listeners to take from this conversation?
1: Yeah, I think you got to look at what you're at. You know, you got to invest in leadership. You've got to decide to be a leader. You got to decide if you're in a level two, how to get to a level three and the thing I like about John Maxwell is he kind of gives you a kind of a guideline of, of how to develop leadership, but you got to be invested in people. You got to make the financial investments. You got to make the time investments. You've got to really want to create a good team. You got to get the right people on the bus. You got to get the wrong people off the bus uh, to do this, but it's, it's an investment. I mean, you know, thank goodness, Matt has made that investment. You know, he invests every, every day. He's investing his time, his, his, his energy on site, talking to people, talking to managers. And I think that's, that's been paying off. You know, we've not had to hire anybody in the last three months, which I don't think that's ever that happened. That is amazing. Ever, <laughs> you know? And I think a lot of it's attributed that he's, he's got, he's got the the engine running pretty well. And so, you know, I, I appreciate that. Kudos to Matt.
0: I think my big takeaway, as you were, as you were saying that, that articulated for me or crystallized rather for me in my head is the point you've made and you just remade. You have to hire the right people such that I see that person is worthwhile for me to invest in, right? In other words, I think it's almost like a a way to judge as to whether that's the right person. Let's just talk about it from a site manager and a shift leader. If I don't show up at that site and feel like, okay, this person is worth me investing and I know they just made this mistake and I know they keep doing this wrong, but, but is he is he or she a person that I feel like I can continue to invest in? And I think that's the truth. I think we all kind of instinctively know, did we hire this person because I have no other choice and they had the technical knowledge and so I put up with the fact that he he or she is terrible at customer service, right? Right. Or are they just raw and they need to have those skills developed and they need some investment in them? That's what we kind of have to look at. But I think that's the thing. That's where you can ask yourself, do I look at it as how can I catch somebody doing the wrong thing today? Or can I look at it as what? How can I invest in developing these people that are helping me be successful? Yeah, you know? yeah. So that, that's kind of my big summary takeaway. And then on the last point as to whether you can achieve that highest pinnacle, I, I'm going to stay on the side of that. I believe I can achieve what I set my mind to achieve sure. to a yeah. certain degree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We we should all aspire to. I it. think so. Yeah. I think You're, that that's that's probably the best way to say yeah. it.
1: And and the, most of the people we use in examples, they're they're rare exceptions, but. You know, I think we we can all aspire to being great leaders. And certainly, with
0: our within our little realms, within our little worlds, we can get darn close to level five.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Good. All right. Well, good discussion. Appreciate Excellent. it. Yeah, we enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you for
0: listening to the How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com. dot com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on the How of Car Washing.